Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Everybody and welcome to another My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Ben Hong. Ben, do you want to say hi? Hey, everybody. Now, uh, I opened this up and I let people know in the last few episodes to podcast listeners, and I've been getting some really, really interesting folks on to talk about things. And, and I think we're getting stories that we haven't heard before. You want to just give a brief introduction to who you are, and then we'll dive in and find out how you got into code and all that good stuff? Yeah, that sounds great. So yeah, my name is Ben Hong, and I'm currently one of the lead front-end developers here at Politico. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of a political junkie. I think people who have listened for a while kind of know where I stand on some of that stuff, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think it's interesting, though, just, you know, in sort of an area that affects everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what you've uh, done and what you've learned over there. Let's back up, though, and, and talk about your background for a minute. How did you get into programming? So I was one of those uh, millennial kids who had a Zenga blog, LiveJournal, um, MySpace, you name it, um, and just sort of was hacking together themes and building stuff on GeoCities and HOFire. And so, yeah, that's kind of where my origin story really starts. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I started programming on like a TI-85 calculator, but <laughs> yeah, GeoCities and AngelFire were kind of how I got into web development too. Um, what was it that kind of led you there? Did, was Was there some somebody or something that kind of pushed you in that direction? Uh, not in particular. My dad happened to have an HTML book from O'Reilly, like one of the first ones, like kind of lying around. And mm-hmm. so the way it was written was pretty accessible. And then it was one of those things where I just wanted to change something different with the theme and then just, you know, do a little bit of Googling and it just, it just kind of went from there. And then using things like marquee tags and just, uh, you know, things like that. Ah, oh, the good old marquee tag. <laughs> Why don't we have that anymore? I know, I know. It's so sad. I know. And the blink tag. And the oh. blink tag. There you go. That's the other one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the goodies. So so you pick up the HTML book. W- was there a particular website that you built that was kind of your first big project? Or was it just fiddling around? Uh, it was fiddling around, but I think the first one I could call... You know, I tried looking for it before in the archives, but it was like a fortune cookie universe. And it was supposed to be like nice. a universe of different flavored fortune cookies that you would go to. I'm really sad I can't find it anymore, but it uh, would have been great to dredge that up. Yeah, that's really sad. <laughs> you'll, ha- you'll have to recreate it. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> we might give seizures to everybody though, with all the animated gifts I had and Blink and Mark T tags I had on there. Yeah. Uh, about what time frame was this? I'd say it was... 93, 95, that yeah. time frame. Yep. Yeah. It makes it sounds about right. I was a little later than that doing that same kind of thing. But yeah, I remember, yeah, if you, if you had a gift that moved, <laughs> <laughs> it was like the coolest thing and you had to have it on your website. Yeah. Uh, Dancing babies were such a big thing then too. Oh, yeah. So you get in, you start building these uh, web pages. How do you go from there to something like JavaScript? To be honest, um, JavaScript was actually the roadblock for me at the time because no one in my family um, knew actually programming. So when I got to the JavaScript point, I was like, oh, I need to know Java. And there was no one to correct me. 
And so right. I like, you know, I'm like, here I am in middle school trying to open a Java book and learn JavaScript. And it was just a massive failure. And it wasn't until much uh, later on when I sort of entered, wanted to get back in the field professionally in around the 2000 uh, timeframe that uh, I finally sort of got back into JavaScript. Gotcha. So you did this for a little while and you took a break and then you came back? Yeah, it was all things where like HTML and CSS came really easily to me. And so it was, I thought it was always more of a hobby thing. And it wasn't until much later that I realized like, oh, people would pay you to do this kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, but anybody could do it, right? So what's the big Sweet. deal? <laughs> so that's kind of what pulled me back in. I was like, oh my God, I can do this for a living. This, this is awesome. So at that point then, did you go to college? Did you just pick it up on your own? Yeah, so um, I actually have a master's in industrial organizational psychology, so no computer science background whatsoever. So it was one of those, like, really enjoyed, like, the sort of human factor UX side of things, and I've always been sort of a tech junkie. And so then it was one of those sort of putting the pieces together and being like, oh, like, I can do the coding with the UX, and that's sort of how I ended up with the front-end piece of it. Nice. So kind of take us through your journey through JavaScript. I mean, I remember back in the early 2000s with Scriptaculous and Prototype, and then we had jQuery, and... You know, what, what, what trajectory did your career follow? Yeah, so I think like most people, I actually started out as well with the jQuery piece of it. Because I think originally when JavaScript first came out, again, I had that misconception that it was, uh, it was I needed Java. And so it wasn't until like the jQuery framework that I sort of got really started to wrap my head around what JavaScript was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And just it had sort of simplified the syntax, so I didn't need to worry about all the different uh, variations that were required for browsers and those sort of things. And so that's what really sort of got me through like the initial hurdle of like, oh, what JavaScript does. And then from that point on, it was, um, I sort of, that was also around the time where client-side frameworks started getting popular as well. So just through the process of trial and error, trying to get into React and Angular, like um, it's just sort of kept hacking together the JavaScript skills to kind of get to where I am today. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you mentioned some of the more recent front-end frameworks. Did you play with any of the older ones like Ember or... Backbone or Knockout or things like that on your way up? Or did you just jump right on the right bandwagon and kind of get into Angular or React when they came out? Yeah, I, I did some Ember. Um, I had like briefly touched on Knockout at the time. But I think at the time I was also looking to Ruby on Rails. So Ember was sort of like, I think, the parallel to that. So that's where sort of my first um, interactions with client-side frameworks were. Gotcha. So, so what was it then that kind of brought you into a professional programming situation? I mean... You mentioned you have a master's degree in organizational psychology. I, I didn't quite remember all of the right words in the right order. No, but no, you're good. <laughs> but, but how do you go from a, you know, getting a master's degree in that to go, you know what, forget all that. I'm going to do programming. Yeah. So basically, um, with the organizational psychology, uh, one of the specialties is human factors, which is basically like user experience with a psychology spin. And so from there, it was about like, um, I sort of saw myself as like, I'll be a UX designer. But then I was also really good at the coding side. So it was one of those when I wanted to merge the two together, I realized that I was I really enjoyed learning the coding piece of it, but applying the UX skills that I had learned from psychology and focusing on users and those things. And so from there, it was just a matter of just piecing the two together to get like the right balance of consulting and UX while also helping to build things. Yep. So yeah, so you start you start picking that up. What was that career change like? I mean, did you graduate with your master's degree and then go straight to programming or did you try other things first? Yeah, so I actually uh, went into the federal government first and actually worked for NIH as just like a human resource specialist. Okay. 
this was right around the time of the recession. So as far as my family was concerned, they were like really happy for me to have like, you know, a stable job. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I was um, sort of bored out of my mind and was really looking for a challenge. So, um, you know, sort of against their wishes, I ended up uh, sort of just, I kept, ha- while I was working for the government, I just kept hacking together like portfolios and trying to find an opportunity, to, like foot in the door to prove myself and got my first uh, private contracting gig with the federal government. And then, so that's how I got in there. And then just sort of ever since then been building my way up. Nice. So, so what were you building for the federal government? So at the time I was working on like Medicare.gov mm-hmm. and then I was, um, I got brought on to healthcare.gov as well, but I like to always emphasize that it was brought on after the initial launch. So <laughs> I was brought on to help fix it. <laughs> so important point there. <laughs> so. Yeah, we won't use the words disaster, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the initial launch didn't go well. We'll just put it that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Interesting. So, so what's it like at the same time? I mean, I think, I think most programmers, they get into programming and they pretty much get the idea of open source and they understand contributing to a project out of passion. And then they also understand working for a corporation. But working mm-hmm. for the government's got to be a little bit different. Yeah, I, that's, I will say that from, that was one of the things when I made the transition to Politico. Um, the federal government is a definitely a different space as far as the fact that there are just far more stakeholders and politics sort of going on with any decision that's being made. And so whereas like at a, like corporate companies, you generally have some sort of product that you're pushing. Um, with uh-huh. federal government, it was a lot more about like who owned the content and, you know, how many how many people do you need to talk to in order to get certain things approved? Mm-hmm. And so it was definitely really different um, working for the government um, as opposed to sort of where I am now, where it's a lot more um, product oriented. Gotcha. So h- how did you wind up making the transition over to Politico then? So I had done um, a fair number of government contracts, including like um, NASA. And so after a while, um, you know, as any good developer, you kind of want to diversify the the problems Mm -hmm. that you're solving. And so for me, at least the federal government contracts I was working on, they started to feel like the same problem over and over again. And so since in the DC area here, um, outside of federal government contracting, we actually have a fair number of media companies here. So um, when the opportunity for Politico came around, um, it sounded like a great opportunity to tackle um, sort of a new space. Gotcha. So have you been there from the beginning or was this something, you know, you found a job opening? I mean, how, how did that happen? Yeah. So basically I got reached out to you by one of the recruiters um, that sort of mentioned that they were looking for front-end developers. And so through that, that just so, you know, started the whole recruitment process and chatted with the team and uh, came on came on board about two years ago. Awesome. And you're the front-end lead there now. So uh, yeah. what, what did that transition uh, look like? Yeah, so uh, when I first joined the team, we were um, only five five member large, um, including my supervisors. So basically, there were like two designers, and then one like JavaScript uh, guru, and then the two of us who you know who kind of full stack quote unquote with the HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And so uh, since then, we've grown to I mean, with contractors that were like more like 15, 18 people now, and so it's been pretty crazy having the team scale and um, there's been a lot of different problems that have arisen and um, new challenges that have come up as a result but it's been pretty fun so far that makes sense i'm a little curious how does politico see itself or did do you consider yourself a media company or sort of a news organization or or how, how do you look at yourselves over there yeah, so I think uh, most of the people know Politico primarily as a news organization, right, with the, the newspaper. But we also have a completely different arm, uh, Politico Pro, which is more of an information as a service 
uh, product side. And so that's actually the side I've been working a lot closer with um, over the last couple of years. And so there we offer sort of like uh, cutting edge updates as far as like, you know, legislative updates. Um, if you're the kind of person that also needs like campaign, uh, like voting, voting data and those sort of things, we try to provide that in such a way that we provide update political information to you um, as a service. And so people right. pay like an actual subscription to be a part of that, that uh, product line. Yeah, I, I really haven't looked too much into Politico. I'm also curious, though, does the company try and paint itself as leaning one way or the other or mostly nonpartisan or how does that all work out? Yeah, based on what I understand, um, you know, we try to um, all our report, reporting is supposed to be objective and nonpartisan, okay. from my understanding. But I mean, on the tech side, we don't really get into the, uh, those pieces as much. Right. Yeah, I kind of figured I, I hesitated a little bit to ask because sometimes a lot of those questions get directed to a PR or something. Sure. <laughs> but but yeah, so I, I'm also curious then, um, how does the company's mission and objectives, how, how does that bleed into what you, what you do and how you approach your job? I would say for the most part, most of the time, by the time the products get down to us, for us as a technology, the, the tech department, um, at least at my level, we're about sort of solving the problem. So right. usually by the time I get to it, it's more about like, okay, we want to have this new product. Um, what is the best route to solving it? So, you know, I was um, responsible for uh, helping to pioneer like the uh, client-side frameworks here because in the past we were doing more everything like server-side rendered, um, just like old school uh, JSPs. And so sort of bringing in the view framework into the tech stack, sort of helping to update the front-end stack has been a lot of my role here. JSPs. Gotta love it, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's your technology stack over there at Politico? Yeah, so um, obviously the base technologies of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, but then Vue.js is our framework of choice. And so we do have, um, we also have a pro app that um, I helped to build that's built on React Native. And then uh, otherwise our backend is primarily like Java and we're using like the Spring Boot framework. And we've been using uh, experimenting with different technologies, GraphQL and those sort of things as well. Very cool. We, we should probably see about getting you on the Views on Vue podcast to just talk about how you're using Vue over there at Politico. Oh yeah, I would love to. That would be great. That would be fun. So, so are there things that you work on outside of work, or are you mostly focused on the issues that you encounter at work? Yeah. So outside of work, I actually help to run the View DC meetup. So this mm-hmm. uh, centralized meetup, and then I also help to helping to coordinate all the View meetups around the world. So ViewMeetups.org. Um, I'm the founder of that, and helping to helping the core team to help manage that as well. So doing a lot of uh, community outreach as far as helping the. F- people who want to, are interested in the front-end community and want to learn more about it. Um, because I know, as you probably know, most of us um, are usually liberal arts majors without any computer science training. And so um, it's nice to have the community there to help you out as you're navigating uh, those waters. Yeah, it's interesting to see how many people are coming in from different backgrounds, especially now that we're seeing sort of an explosion in the amount of information and the number of apps that are going out there, either mobile or web apps in particular. And yeah, so we're, we're pulling people from all kinds of backgrounds. Yep, <laughs> that we are. Yep. I am definitely not one of those liberal, liberal arts majors. I, I actually <laughs> have a degree in computer engineering. Good uh, for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did electrical engineering and then I switched because computers were more interesting. But yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to, to see the different perspectives in the field and where people are coming in and just how little or how much it takes to get somebody... I guess, ready to contribute. Sure. Like some, some people, they, they do a little bit of work and then they just kind of get it. And then okay. other people, 
they have to they'll go through a boot camp and then they have to basically struggle with it for a year and then they're ready to contribute and it's just interesting to see the different journeys that people go through to get there absolutely so what are you working on now so yeah so currently i'm still just continuing to help the view community build out its uh meetup population and then um Otherwise, uh, just trying to further our work um, here within Politico as far as like how we're using Vue, um, sort of creating, finally creating like a design system and um, the reusable component pattern libraries and those sort of things. Makes sense. Now, if you're creating uh, reusable components, I'm assuming that's across multiple projects? Yep, that's correct. Are those open source or are those internal only? Uh, at this point, they're internal only. Um, one of the things we are discussing is whether or not, like, what pieces of it to open source as far mm-hmm. as the design piece. But I feel like uh, we definitely will. I'm looking to probably give a couple of talks at conferences as far as like how we approach this whole problem set within Politico. So definitely something coming to a sh- show to you soon, hopefully. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's just been interesting, especially in like the React and Angular communities. Uh, Different companies have come out and basically open source their uh, component yeah. tools. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen that as much in view, but I figure it's just a matter of time with the right. level of adoption it's getting. So, sure, yeah. very cool. Well, if people want to find you online, where do they go? Yeah, they can find me um, on all the internet of things under Ben Code Zen, B E N C O D E Z E N, and um, they're happy, more than welcome to reach out to me regarding questions, whether it's running meetups or have view related questions. Happy to talk to them. Awesome. Uh, I'm a little curious. Do you have some advice for people who? are either coming into the field or who have been doing this for a while as far as you know joining organizations and being contributors, especially since you're the front-end lead over there? Yeah, I would say for those who are new, um, I think a lot of it is just attending those meetups and making the connections because I think a lot of people don't realize just how welcoming the community is as far as helping you navigate the waters. And even within the world of front-end development, there's so many specialties that you can get into and it's just really about figuring out those problems that you like solving. And then having um, people who are veterans of the community figure out how to get you to that point. So you, whether it's like D3 or, you know, you know, SVGs, you know, helping you get to that point. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, the community is there for you and definitely a uh, resource uh, you don't want to miss out on. Yeah, that's very much in line with the advice that I give out. I've been writing a book on how to find a job as a programmer. And mm-hmm. yeah, the, the advice that I give is basically have your resume updated. And then go to the meetups <laughs> and make sure yeah. you're contributing to GitHub every every day. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's, that's right in line. And yeah, if you're going to the meetups, you'll get the feedback you need. And a lot of times you'll make the connections that help you get that. Exactly. Feedback. Yep. Totally agree. Awesome. Well, uh, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, 
Go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Yeah, so um, there's a couple of conferences coming up. There's uh, Connect Tech in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll be giving a workshop on animation fundamentals uh, with Vue.js oh, cool. there and uh, Vue Toronto as well. So that's um, coming up in the next couple of months. Nice. Yeah, some awesome events. I need to make it out to some yeah. more of the Vue events. Yeah, they're really great. I'll be going to London actually tomorrow, so that'll be fun. Awesome. What What's in London? There's a View London. It's going on this okay. week. Gotcha. Yep. I'm going to do a couple of shout outs. The first one is Framework Summit. It's the beginning of October. I think this episode goes out right during it. So anyway, if, if this is a pick too late, I'm sorry. I didn't check the schedule for the <laughs> release before I said it. But uh, it's either going to be awesome or it was awesome. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's in Park City, Utah, which is about 30 to 40 minutes from my house. That's so awesome. yeah, going to be going up there and hanging out with uh, Vue Core team members and React and Angular, Ember, Elm. Who else do they have coming? They have a whole bunch of others coming just to talk about the various frameworks. So it should be pretty exciting uh, just to go and, and see what people are doing. I'm also incidentally going to be at Microsoft in Ignite next week as as we record this. Obviously, that one will be over by the time this goes live. But uh, I do wind up talking to a few people that do build like Visual Studio Code and things like that. So if you're interested, go look at JavaScript Jabber's feed. There should be a bunch of stuff there that's pretty relevant to JavaScript developers in general. And uh, yeah, then um, one other thing that I'm just going to shout out about is CodeBadge.org, which is a, a new thing that I'm working on uh, to help people stay current and give them ideas on what they can do to keep up on their skills. So, uh, and you get badges for doing it so people can see what you've explored, what you've worked with, and things like that. So, I think that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, incidentally, I'm building that with Vue, Vue and Elixir awesome. Phoenix on the back end. So, very cool. All right. Well, thank you for coming, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode, and we will catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.